Welcome to Six Degrees Within YGK, a podcast where we get everyone within the YGK area where we talk about health, fitness, and overall balance of life. I'm your host, Bob Payne, owner of Crossroad Limestone and Limestone Athletics. everyone, welcome to another podcast with Six Degrees within YGK. Today I got Christina Cantlay, the manager of Runner's Choice. Christina, how's it going? Good, thanks for having me. Oh, for sure. Now, we've been talking a little bit on social media going back and forth for, I guess, a couple months about getting you on. Yep, yep. So, no, I'm glad to have you on it. So, welcome. First, let's hear a little bit about your background and Runner's Choice and how you got involved because I know there's a little bit of a family history there. Yeah, so uh, my dad opened the store, my dad Al opened the store in 1985. Um, I obviously grew up going down to the store on Saturdays, working in the stock room. Um, I worked there throughout high school and then I moved away and worked in Toronto for 10 years. And just recently in December of 2018, moved back to take on a bigger role and kind of help my dad seek a slower, <laughs> less busy lifestyle. A little bit more balance, we'll say. <laughs> yes. He's having trouble accepting it, but we're heading in the right direction. Oh, that's good. Well, I guess after when he's been open for 35 years, yeah, understandable. Yeah. He likes being around people, likes being involved in the community, so I'm sure that's, like, so much of your identity, too. So I think he's happy that I more run the day-to-day stuff, and he kind of gets to do the coaching and and that sort of thing, so it's a good balance. What got him to open up the store? Because this would have been, like, one of the first running stores in Kingston back at – because you said 35 – well, you said 1985, so 35 years ago. Yep. Because um, um, I, I, that was the same year I was born, so I can't say, oh, I remember that store opening up, but – He worked at um, Alfred's in Canadian Tire, and I think just eventually knew that he wanted to run his own shop um, and open – open up his own store so that's kind of where it went from there mm-hmm. now you said you're the middle child of how many siblings there's th- so there's three girls so yeah my older sister melissa and my younger sister stephanie are you guys all runners we no <laughs> <laughs> just you i assume i assume you're running because well you yeah, do some I, some form of running i do i'm more less on the racing competitive side and more just do it for leisure I've kind of battled quite a few injuries, so I kind of just do it more socially, which is a good balance so that, you know, customers can kind of relate to either myself or my dad. So we find that it's a good balance between us. Okay. Now, like growing up, though, did you do lots of running back then, like high school? Not not so much like competitive, but like the leisure, because your dad's a runner, right? And so he would have... Was yeah, he, I think did there he influence was, you guys to all start running, or is it just kind of naturally just start happening? No, our parents didn't really. We were involved in sport, but I wouldn't say they really pushed us. I think it was assumed by a lot of people, and maybe there was pressure on ourselves to be really good. But my dad didn't put that pressure on us. Um, I think we were just really active. Uh, my sisters and I were like on the Blue Marlin, so we we're really into competitive swimming. Um, less on the running side until I got a little bit older. Um, and I think just more working at the store, running with the different run groups that were there. Okay. Um, do you find that, 
because I swam too. A lot of people who swam, they do transition to running a lot or cycling or the triathlons. Do you find that? Did you notice that growing up? Or do you find that, I guess, not growing up, but now? Do you notice a lot of swimmers, because they, they get into like the distance sports, not competitive, but more of a le leisure? Or I think we see it the other way, where they are use swimming as a cross-training tool um, to assist their running. But I think just... Well, I meant like they go from swimming, and when they're older, they go into running. No, no, I wouldn't say You haven't said that? Okay, I guess that's just me. Okay. Because well, I swam too, and a lot of people that I knew growing up swimming, a lot of them are runners now. They don't do much swimming. Maybe because they spent too much time in the pool, or maybe it's just the pool, pool that, like the genic pool that I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah it could just, I, I don't know. I think everyone's just kind of different. I think schedules, it's a little bit easier to just kind of lace up and go out and run than having to worry about pool time and all that kind of stuff. But I think very similar mentality um, when it comes to training and, and endurance sports um, that a lot of those transition over to a variety of, of activities. Okay. Yeah. Running is probably the most convenient sport, right? I would agree. <laughs> like then the second would be kind of yoga because you can kind of do yoga like anywhere, but running is probably the most. Anyone can do it. It's what they say. It's most popular. Yeah. And I think we really found that during like the pandemic, a lot of people – that their gyms were closed or they couldn't go meet up with their their hockey teams or any of their rec leagues. So they just kind of went out and started running with whatever shoes they had in the closet um, and were able to maintain some sort of activity level um, that I think we've seen like a huge increase over the last sort of 12 to 16 months of new runners. Um, so now we're just making sure that they're in the right footwear and they're not they're not overtraining and not getting injured um but i would certainly say it's yeah one of the most convenient and can be inexpensive depending on what type of taste you have for flashy footwear uh, during the pandemic were you guys able to stay open or did you guys have to shut down only do like like not allowed in store on curbside yeah so we did not even have an online shop um, prior to the pandemic, had no um, intention of ever going online or anything like that. Um, so that was a huge undertaking um, for myself, getting us online, getting our product online. Um, Are you good with computers before that, or were you just like, I'm flying on the seat of my pants? Oh, was, yeah, flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> yeah, I was doing basically the same, like, okay, we had to put everything online. Um, okay, guys, we're going to make videos. Uh, okay, we're going to try it this way, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's... It was, it was hard. It was, we had, you know, virtual school during the day and then at night I'd work on the website. Um, very thankful that we had a huge community wanting to support us. They would, you know, call us, text me. Um, we did a lot of virtual fittings or porch fittings um, and we still do those now for people that aren't necessarily comfortable coming downtown or Is just Is that can't. where you bring the shoes right to their house? And yeah. A couple so different sizes and... Yes, yeah, so we'd have them fill out a sort of questionnaire. We would meet either on the phone or um, through like video chat, um, kind of get a feel of what they're looking for. And then I would pre-select shoes, bring them to the person's house. Um, and I would just wait in my car, they would try them on, or we would leave them with the customer and just follow up after that. So I think just willing to go the extra mile and do all those things has certainly helped us. Um, and customers are appreciative. We're appreciative of it. Um, but yeah, it was 
a lot of a lot of make work, but it um, it it was wouldn't have been wouldn't have been possible without the support from the community. Oh, it's amazing what you learn to do on the fly when you're kind of in crisis, right? <laughs> crisis create opportunities because now you guys got a full online store. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's funny. I was just thinking about that the other day because someone had driven down from Brighton who had never heard us heard of us um, and had just found us through a Google search, and he had wide feet, which is kind of what we cater to, like kind of hard to fit feet, um, and. He asked, okay, so your online shop obviously is like a corporate a corporate website. And I was like, oh, why oh, thank you. There we go. Compliment. There we go. <laughs> it's not. It was me. It was developed <laughs> at the kitchen table. But, uh, um, yeah, so that's – he was, you know, surprised that we're a little store. If anyone has ever um, have come, come by the shop, it's only 1,000 square feet. Um, but we pack a lot into a little, a little bit of space we have and uh, – and, um, yeah, it just was <laughs> t kudos to me for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. No, because I just love hearing everyone's kind of, I don't want to say survival story, but just how they had to pivot, right? Because when we did it with um, Curtis there from um, Health and Focus, even other people are just like, yeah, we had to put everything online or we just had to switch everything around. Because everyone has like their own unique story of like, this sucks. What can we do to survive? And how it's basically create a opportunity, like a different revenue stream, almost. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. I mean, we're shipping. I just mailed a pair of gloves to um, Red Deal, Alberta, last week. Um, the week before, we've mailed something to the Yukon. Um, so it's just so interesting how people find us, and and it is, and just kind of reiterates that it is important that we are aligned and we have that sort of visibility to customers that don't necessarily live in Kingston and, and it could be customers that had lived here before and want to support us or they're just, um, yeah, wanting new gear that we have. No, that's awesome. Now you guys do a lot, you guys are helping a lot in the community. Um, I want to talk about, about the, what was the name of it? The shoe initiative that the easy pace initiative, easy pace initiative. So let's talk about that. Tell me what that is. Yeah. So it's, um, Set up through, so we, Curtis Marlowe um, co-founded the Rerun Project, which we ha have it set up that you can donate your gently used running shoes, and then we give them back to vulnerable members in our community, and we've been collecting shoes for, for a long time, um, getting better and more organized as the years go on. Um, we have sort of a, a connection with Lunch by George and get all of the all the shoes that we get donated. Um, Real quick, what is Lunch by George? Just in case anybody's never heard of that. Yeah, Lunch by George offers um, free lunches Monday to Friday. They are just, so it's the back of St. George Church, which is just on Wellington Street. Um, and they have a market twice a year where people can come and get su summer clothes, winter clothes, blankets, um, anything they kind of need. So very similar to St. Vincent de Paul, just put on by Lunch by George. Um, and it's really close to us. It's half a block away. So we just, you know, have gone there, set all the shoes up on the lawn, um, and people could take what they needed. Um, but the one, what was missing with the rerun project is that we weren't getting any kids' shoes donated. And obviously there's lots of deserving kids in our community that could use um, new running shoes. So... 
Curtis has had this idea for quite a while um, and was c getting in contact with um, the BGC, BGCE Southeast, um, so formerly the Boys and Girls Club. Yep. Um, and just recently, yeah, they, they set up a, um, a specific donation through, um, through Canada Help that you can donate money um, and then th that money goes directly to purchase a pair of shoes. So Curtis um, and Andrew from Fine Balance, they they set up this beer. It's called Easy Pace, and all the proceeds are go go to purchase new shoes. So they did a small batch released um, in October, and just with that money, we just are purchasing shoes to put on to put on kids' feet. Yeah, because Curtis talked about that beer when we did the podcast. Because you can't buy that beer now. No, yeah. So they weren't sure, like... Because he, he said it sold out, like, in a weekend or maybe a week, the whole... Yeah, I think, it was, be... I think it was maybe five days. So a small batch is 600 cans, and I think a regular batch is maybe 3,000. So, of course, you're not sure how, as a business owner, I know no, You how... don't want to put a lot of money in, especially, <laughs> like, a new business running during a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. You don't want to, you don't want to sit on uh, a lot of inventory that isn't selling. Um, but yeah, I think it's been, it was a great first release and we kind of know that, that expectations, the nice thing about the, the charity now being set up through, um, BG Southeast is that it will continuously be there. So if someone doesn't drink beer, but still wants to support, or if they missed out on the beer, they can make a donation, um, today and, and they, the money will go into that fund. We're kind of aiming for a $30 donation. We'll purchase a pair of shoes. Um, obviously, as some of the kids are older, they'll cost a little bit more, but that's kind of what we're aiming for. Um, and that's set up through our contacts and through our vendors, through Runner's Choice, um, that we're able to secure a better deal um, through that, so. No, that's awesome. Um now, to, to make a donation, they go through your guys' website, or do they have to go to the Boys and Girls or the BG Southeast? Yeah, there is a – so there's a link on their um, website. If you're not sure of the direct link, you can um, filter through, and it's labeled Kids Running Shoes. Um, we, Renner's Choice, are also going to set up a tab on our website for that um, to make a direct donation. It's just on that long list of things to do before yeah. Friday. <laughs> yeah, the list that never gets smaller, right? Eh? Yeah. Running a business. No, that's awesome. That's great. Um, oh, we'll definitely have to reach out to all the gym members, too, and see if they got any extra shoes. Because you guys can get old shoes, too, right? Or only, only want cash donations. No, no, yeah. We'll still take, um, through Rerun, we'll still take gently used running shoes. Um, that was my, my goal this summer was to get the, the Runner's Choice shed all organized, which, if anyone knows... <laughs> About the Runner's Choice shed, it was a, a, a hazard, to oh, say the least. Well, what's the Runner's Choice ha um, shed here? It just would be Al's storage locker that has... Like, is this behind 35... the store, or...? No, it's it's off Terry Fox Drive, but okay. just 35 years of stuff in it. Um... <laughs> Probably some good collector's items in there, too. <laughs> just, there's some stuff. <laughs> um so yeah, that was our goal. We got that all organized and set up. Um, one of our customers, which you know, Adam Gillis, he donated some as some shelving that uh, he wasn't using. So we now have bins and shelves that they can go in there. Um, so if someone were to call us up, 
and say, hey, I need a size 12 for someone. Um, do you have that? We've created a Google document that I can look right away. Yep, we have a size 12. I'll go to the shed, pick it up, and then make arrangements. So um, certainly as we've been doing this for a couple of years, it's a lot, it's gone a lot smoother, whereas before we would get donations, they get thrown into a garbage bag, and then we'd go through the garbage bag, or we would just Find make... what ones match or stay yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, yeah, every Tuesday we go through the donation bin, label them, and then I bring them to the shed on Wednesday and organize them all. So it's definitely a smoother system. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even know Adam helped out in that. Adam Gillis, he's a great guy. Yeah, yep. He's been a member at the gym five, six years when he was just starting to run. That's when he got involved. He's helped us with some rentals at the gym, got his yep. advice. <laughs> uh, definitely has a good wit to him, some good yep. humor. And Al likes to erg as well, so they've definitely hit it off. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like it on the rower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Adam also loves to be on the rower. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely always throwing the chirps towards all the coaches about how we don't do enough erging. <laughs> so, no, that's awesome. Um, and then you guys also help out in law with the local running events, right? Yeah, so we Our are – Our sponsor, I guess, it would be the best. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting being away from Kingston for – so long and then coming back um that yeah people think we're that we are the the running we put on our the running events kingston ourselves run, kra but, i think is the kingston runners yeah runners yeah association there we go yeah so kingston road runners association we're kind of um one of the sponsors or we would just say more like a, a support um so the kingston road runners puts on 12 races a year um so you can be sign up to be a member or you don't have to be a member to complete the races. Um, it's a totally nonprofit organization. So every single, um, we cover the costs of like club, the club fees. So just insurance and our like storage locker, but everything else goes towards a specific charity. Um, so the charity that just happened in, or sorry, the run that just happened in November, the proceeds from that race went to um, the Diabetes Association. Okay, that's so every run has a different charity. It goes yeah. To, that's wicked. Yeah, so the, there's different race directors, and they kind of get to choose whatever charity is kind of close to their heart. Um, and um, in the in January, um, so that's the first weekend of January, the resolution run um, that's put on by Casey Kitson, and her charity is um, Defining Dystonia. Um, okay, what one's that one? I haven't heard of that charity, Defining Dystonia. Um, yeah, so it's a, a neurological disorder where okay. it's, yeah, it's, I have to no, it's all good. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll put it. We'll look into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Casey would be able to tell you um, a little bit more, but that's like she she lives with um, dystonia, so that's kind of where it okay. has come from. Um, but over the years, it was um, Bell Let's Talk and different things. So everyone, the charities kind of change with the race directors. But where, where's that run held now? Because I remember they did it the first year when they did it over at RMC. You had to go up before Henry Hill. Is it? I don't think you have to go. Fort Henry Hill anymore, but it is still over there okay. on the base. Yeah, I remember the first time there was like, yeah, this is the first time we're going up Fort Henry Hill. You had to start. You had to go all the way up down Lundy's Lane, around where the pool used to be there, because you said you swam. So remember how there's that old yeah. uh, um, base pool, the Black Knights pool. Yeah, you run around that, basically around that block, come all the way back down. I remember doing that. I think I was like 12 at the time. It was like the first year that they moved it there. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it still is. We use the base a lot because there's less traffic and we don't less road closures. Um, obviously last year there was a lot of virtual races um, that some people don't like, but it was able, something we were able to still put on for the community, still able to make um, considerable donations to all of these charities that would have otherwise um, not gotten any funding from the Kingston Roadrunners if we didn't have a race. Um, so we're excited to hopefully be able to have a full in-person series yep. yep next year um is the series done for this year now for 2021 like no yeah more yeah so the aid the annual general meeting is next week so if anyone wants to <laughs> attend to, yeah. to attend see what get it's their about early scoop yeah you can get your tickets on tracky <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um but yeah it's it's the whole carry they're all put on by volunteers everyone's a volunteer um and it's just people that are want to give back to the community, want to be involved within the running community, um, and be able to put on some races. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. And do you ever take part in these? Because I know you said you run for leisure, but do you ever, like, just, hey, I'm going to get out there and do some running myself? Yeah, I don't do too many of them, um, mostly because we generally, Runner's Choice will be there with a booth or we'll have... We're running the tent. Yeah, and then I'll be rushing back to open the store so it's uh yeah when we have a limited limited staffing um it makes it a little bit tricky um there is a limestone race weekend that's in april so that d they do a 5k a 10k and a half marathon and the proceeds um, from that race go towards the bgc southeast um program so we are kind of already the roadrunners are, are connected there um and yeah, hoping to get more involved and get the the Easy Pace initiative maybe um, looped in a little bit more, but that's up to the to the race directors. And the Easy Pace is the was the first one. The, the Curtis started right, or is that the one you guys are currently running right that's now? That's what we're currently okay. running. Yeah. So rerun is that we would that's collect one, money. Then, okay. Yeah, that's just taking new shoes, and that's like across Canada. Um, so there are stores at West that are part of the okay. rerun project, um, and that's like what. It just give, kind of gives it a name and, and that anyone can be a part of. Um, but we don't collect, Rerun doesn't collect money for to purchase new shoes or anything like that. Okay. Um, now with you, because um, with you running the store and all that, I just want to ask a little bit about your life balance and stuff. Because you have a couple kids. I have, yeah. My partner has three kids. So we just, they're my, we'll say they're my stepkids. Okay. Um, and we, they moved in March of 2020. So great timing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I say that. that they, yeah. That month is kind of <laughs> goes down in for me here. So they, they came in for, uh, slept over for March break and then just never went home. Just never went home. Okay. So it's been, yeah, it's definitely been a huge transition, um, going from like, especially working in Toronto and, and, um, and you said you moved back in 2018? From yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but just like, just lifestyle in terms of like I worked all the time. What were you doing in Toronto? Um, I worked for Sportcheck. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'll say that I stole all my good ideas. <laughs> yeah. Were you kind of managing a Sportcheck store there too? Or were you just doing like... No, yeah, I managed, yeah, for just to at different, different locations. Um, and I would say that I took every 
every store I had and kind of treated it like my own. So I was definitely very sensitive to um, and not willing to accept kind of that corporate mentality. Um, and I really struggled with that. And I think it just always, both my parents running their own businesses, always had that kind of entrepreneurial um, kind of blood running through me. And just, I had come home um, to help my dad when I was on, I had taken a vacation and just saw that he, as things getting into the 21st century and not just, you know, doesn't even just learning to text in 2021. So okay. um, just yeah. <laughs> so so the website was not rocking then. No. Okay. No. Okay. Instagram, Facebook, that wasn't really a thing, and that's definitely how like we keep connected. Um, well, especially during the pandemic, that was the only way. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, luckily, obviously, that I had moved home, so I had already got my bearings um, for a year or so before then. But it's been yeah, it's. It's hectic having three kids and trying and running a business, but um, it's also bittersweet because it's so much of what how I grew up. They're kind of they're coming to the run groups, they're coming to the races, um, they're on like our Instagram. They want to have their own YouTube channel about Claire, who's the youngest. She will do like workout videos on my phone. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. She really wants to do makeup tutorials, but I don't have any makeup, so she sells her <laughs> workout videos. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, and so with running the store and all that, like do you have, because your store is not open late because it's just regular business hours. Do you have a hard time at night trying to separate your work hours? Like say you go home, emails, I don't know exactly how often you get emails or anything like that, but... Is it, has it been a struggle to try and separate, like put boundaries on when it's family time and be like, nope, I'm turning everything off? Or were you always good at balancing life like that? No, I, I for sure always struggled with work-life balance. It's funny that you say that we're not open late. We're just open till five. Um, when I worked for Sport Check, we were obviously open till nine, no, nine thirty. Yeah. Um, and I was actually leaving to deliver a customer a pair of shoes this Monday and I was already in my pajamas and I was like, oh, right. Okay. I'll, I should go deliver this shoe. Um, did you keep the pajamas on or <laughs> no, did you're like, okay, I, I got to look somewhat I professional. Took them, I took them off. Oh, okay. It was more so because I had run earlier and so I had just come home showered. Um, but as I was getting in the car, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I used to work till 10, 11 o'clock at night, like at a store and then come home. Because um, now that's like bedtime. Yeah, that is our bedtime. Yeah. I think that I... The store only being open till five, like that's super, that's been important for us as a family. Um, before the pandemic, we were open nine to six. Um, and then with the kids moving in, it just didn't become realistic, nor were we necessarily really busy. Um, and I drop the kids off at school and then I go to the gym for an hour and that's kind of the only hour that I have to myself. Um, so me thinking, okay, can we, should we open up till nine? Will that, our customers not coming in because we're only open at 10. Um, but I think that's really important, separating, creating those boundaries. Um, yeah, 100%, for, I agree, yeah. Yeah, for, for 10 to five. And I mean, if we had a customer that couldn't make it during those hours or, or needed delivery, we do all of those, we offer all of those things. So they just need to kind of reach out to us. And it's something that is on our website, it's on our voicemail that if someone can't make it in, um, 
because yeah, ultimately we're not here to like necessarily we're well, run, running a business, but we're not, we just want to help. Well, it's a family owned business, so it's small, but like if someone's wants to come in and buy shoes from you, they would have already looked you up. It's not like there's randomly walking by and be like, Oh, I'm going to buy shoes. They're not open. Okay. My business is going somewhere else. Like I'm sure that's happened, but it's not like say a restaurant where people were looking for a night out, like where's a good spot. Oh, they're closed. So we're going to go somewhere here. Like if they want to buy shoes from you, they're going to either reach out to you or they're just wait till you guys are open. Right. Yeah. And like there's days where if I have something to do or if, you know, if the kids are, are somewhere else, we'll all stay open a little bit later and they, we often don't even have someone coming in. So I don't think we're necessarily someone is missing out because we're not catering to them. Um, but that's the one thing that's been really important to like be there for dinner time, um, to take them to school. In the evenings, in the last couple months, I could feel myself getting really burnt out. Um, obviously, supply chains have been a huge issue for yep. tons of people. Yep. Um, and so much of my time is now just every single day logging on to see like, is this shoe available? Is it, can I, can I order it for this customer? Like what? So I would say I probably spend two to three hours a day just checking inventory to make sure that I'm not missing out on anything. Um, I was going to ask you about it during the pandemic of supply super hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's just hitting us, hitting us now in like the last couple months. Um, mostly because with Vietnam being closed for so long and now there being a backlog, um, of all the shipping containers. So that's where this shortage is coming from. Um, we didn't really necessarily have that issue during the pandemic. Like we had access to inventory, just less customers were coming in because not everyone felt comfortable to do curbside pickup or they didn't think that we would have an online store and that sort of stuff. Um, but generally like we're pretty good. Like there's a, you know, people are willing to change brands um, and, and really ultimately want to support us. We have a list of, of customers that will wait till the spring. Um, so we're very, very fortunate and very lucky to have that sort of community support and have um, people that just, yeah, want to buy their, their shoes from us. So, Do you find that when customers come in, they always, like, they're loyal to a brand. They just want the same shoe, the, the new model every year, the exact same. Are people, like, diehard shoes, or is it little bit of you get members coming in or clients customers coming in where they want to try different shoes like or are they people just stick to the same shoe they want every single time i think it depends like obviously brands also change their styles from year to year so one customer they may love you know the old version but they don't like the new version um that's where i think like my expertise kind of comes in and i my just being a little bit fresher than Al, just remembering what customers specifically want or love um, and making sure that we can book those ahead of time. Um, so if someone isn't in the business um, right now, this week we're, is the deadline to book for everything for fall of 2022. So everything has to be in by December 1 um, if we want to get it next winter. Oh, wow. That's uh, I was thinking you desire them like two months in advance. <laughs> <laughs> not, not so much. Yeah. And now, like, so this is the first year that now we're being told you can only order this much. Like, you you can't go kind of above above this number. Um, what we're seeing now is because as a small business, we obviously really rely on being able to order. A customer walks in, we don't have their size. Okay, yeah, I can order for you. It'll be here in 10 days. Yeah. 
Um, now we don't have that luxury, so it is really pre-planning ahead, um, remembering what customers really like, what their size is, um, so we can make sure we have those ahead of time. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little tricky. Yeah, the constant pivot in COVID, with COVID, I should say. Yeah, we'll say the, the new word for 2021, 2020 was pivoting and this 2021 is, it's in the queue. In the queue, yeah, I like that. I haven't heard that one, but it is because uh, you're always like, okay, we just got to wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. Yeah. Yeah, no, because we find that, because even at the gym with all the equipment, um, people are like, well, yeah, because we need some new ergs and stuff, and people are like, just order some. I was like, the prices have doubled in the last two years, and with the revenue loss that's happened and all that, he's like, yeah, we just don't have the funds to order them, and then even if we wanted to, there's like there's like a six month waiting list, right? And but you have to go to like third party, um, people who sell them, and then they and the price is even higher than that. So no, I think everyone like everyone's suffering from the. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just about self being a little bit self aware, self educating. Um, when we kind of let customers know, um, even like for the holiday season, like don't don't wait until the week before Christmas and want us to order something because chances are they don't even have it in stock um, or just not being able to be a little bit more flexible um, with what you want. And I, I know a lot of our vendors hold back stock for themselves because they have all of their own websites. So they don't not necessarily want to filter through to, to the independent stores. Um, so that's kind of what, what we're dealing with right now with some of our vendors. Um, but it's just all about communication, like letting the customers know why we don't have something. I think that being really upfront is is important, um, and and customers that you know appreciate that honesty will continue to support you. Um, but yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll just wait in the queue for the next day. <laughs> yeah. Now this was awesome. Thank you so much for jumping on this with me. So. Thank you for having me. Okay. We'll look forward to getting some more shoes out to you guys <laughs> okay. too. So it'll thanks. be good. All right. Thanks.